Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, as always, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, and you'll be able to find me on social media. Follow me on Instagram. I'm going to be doing some serious cooking this evening. Uh, you can follow along with me. Uh, I'm sure you care. Okay. Um, this is important. I need to talk about a very important topic. I have a friend. His name is Wade. Wade is insistent that I should talk about clown farts. I don't want to talk about clown farts. You, you don't want me to talk about clown farts. I do, however, want to talk about unicorn farts because the Democrats believe unicorn farts can actually move the whole world, power the world, fund the world, fuel the world, do everything for the world. The mythical imaginary unicorn fart is the foundational fuel for all the Democrats' desires. They're not real, but people think they can smell them. Thus, we arrive at Joe Biden's budget proposal. Here's the headline at CNBC. Biden proposes $3 trillion deficit cut, tax hike on the rich in new budget. A $3 trillion deficit cut over, mind you, 10 years. Here are the key points. And again, this is all summarized, CNBC. If you got the daily email, you would have these. You can text DATA to 33777 to subscribe and get them. Joe Biden raises more revenue by increasing taxes on oil and gas companies, hiking the corporate tax rate to 28%, up from 21%, and allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices. The president's spending priorities include increasing funding for early childhood education and child care, expanding the $35 cap on insulin prices to all Americans, and expanding free community college. The budget boosts military spending by more than $835 billion, making it among the largest peacetime expenditures in U.S. history. Is he going to cut anything? He claims he's going to cut the deficit but he's going to do it by levying a 25% minimum tax on the wealthiest Americans. And he's going to increase taxes on oil and gas companies. And he's going to increase the corporate tax. This is absurd. They're doing the fair share language. This is a unicorn fart budget. I don't know if you know this or not. Mortgage rates are approaching 7%. Follow along with me here. Mortgage rates are approaching 7%. The average rate on a 30-year fixed is just under 7%. 6.73%. They're on their way up towards 10%. The Federal Reserve has let it be known it's going to probably increase interest rates more aggressively than previously planned or advertised. The stock market was up this morning and has now started to decline. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is is in negative territory, as are the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, for another day. 
they're worried that the jobs market may show the economy is still too heated. And into this economic uncertainty, Joe Biden wants to raise taxes on corporations. He wants to raise taxes on oil and gas companies. That will what? Pass on that increase to you and me in the form of higher energy prices. Higher energy prices are what provoked inflation to begin with. So Joe Biden wants to further provoke inflation by increasing energy prices, by increasing the taxes on oil and gas companies. And then there's the 25% tax, and it really is the unicorn fart foundation of this entire economic approach because it's not based on actual income. It's based on something written on paper. And given the way the stock market is going down, fewer and fewer people are going to be impacted by it. Essentially, what Joe Biden wants to do, and I've explained this before, is he wants to tax your paper net worth. If on paper it says you are worth a million dollars, he wants to take 25% of that million dollars. He wants to take $250,000 of it. I can do that math in my head. I'm proud of myself. Joe Biden wants you to pay $250,000 if you're worth a million dollars on paper. The problem is you're only worth a million dollars on paper. You don't have a million dollars. Many of you who have been working a very long time, you got a 401k, you're near retirement, you got over a million dollars in it. Well, you're technically on paper worth over a million dollars, but what happens when the stock market goes down? You're not worth a million dollars anymore because it's on paper, it's not real, it's not real money. I don't even know that this is constitutional. For example, I got an emailer yesterday who said, well, I mean, they do this with your your home. Yes, uh, states, the, the federal government can't tax your real property. The Constitution allows an income tax and an excise tax and, and other sorts of taxes, but uh, the federal government is prohibited from a real property tax on your home. The Constitution does not allow that form of revenue generation for the federal government. This is well-settled law. Democrats and Republicans alike agree on this. The federal government can't tax your home, but state governments can. But it's also a real asset. Stock is a paper asset. The value of your stock is a paper asset. Your real property has a value attached to it and your state government can tax the value of that real property. And if you don't pay it, take your home and get that value out of it and give you the excess. The federal government can't do that. And even with states, they have to go through a valuation process. They have to uh, hire an appraiser to figure that out. And typically, real property values continue to increase. Now, there are occasions that they decrease, but they don't fluctuate on a daily basis like the stock market does. The stock market paper valuation that Joe Biden wants to use, it is the unicorn fart foundation for him trying to claim he's going to cut $3 trillion from the debt. And really what it is, if you read very carefully, Listen to this. President Joe Biden vows to cut $3 trillion from the federal deficit over the next decade. From the federal deficit. Now, what's the difference? Well, there actually is a difference between the debt 
and the deficit. You see, the deficit is the difference between our revenue and expenditures in the federal government annually. And right now there is a massive, massive federal deficit annually. We're spending way more than we bring in on a a yearly basis. And at the end of the year, that deficit rolls over into the national debt. So what Joe Biden is planning to do is reduce the spending gap by $3 trillion for the annual budget. He's not even planning on reducing the national debt. He's just trying to lower the rate at which the national debt increases. It's a sleight of hand. When he's talking about the deficit and not the national debt, he's talking about the annual excess of expenditures over revenue for the federal budget, not the actual national debt. So we're going to keep growing the national debt. We're just going to grow it at a smaller and smaller pace every year. That's not sustainable. He does not want to cut anything from the federal budget. He wants tax increases on the wealthy, some of it on paper, not real actual wealth. He wants to tax oil and gas companies that are going to raise our costs to do it. He wants to raise corporate taxes, which will raise again our costs. Corporations do not pay taxes. Corporations make you pay their taxes for them. They either cut salaries or they cut costs or they raise the cost of a product. Remember when Donald Trump and the Republicans cut corporate taxes? What did corporations do? Many of them gave their workers bonuses. Others engaged in stock buybacks that benefited their shareholders. Some of them lowered prices. That's all going to go in reverse if Biden does this. But what's he doing here? The reality is that this comes across as popular to the American people. Oh, yeah, let, let, let's tax the wealthy, those SOBs. Let, let them pay their fair share. Oh, we're going to tax corporations. Most Americans are too clueless to realize, the low-information voters, that, that corporations actually don't pay the tax. They pass it on to you at higher costs. And, of course, the liberals are like, yeah, stick it to the oil companies, except the cost of your tires are going to go up. The cost of your plastics are going to go up. The cost of products made with rubber are going to go up. The cost of gas is going to go up. So the cost of beef is going to go up. The cost of corn is going to go up. The cost of grains are going to go up. The cost of sugar is going to go up. The cost of air travel is going to go up. Why? Because you're going to have higher fuel prices. And the increase in fuel cost to get the cow from the farm to the butchery, well, that's going to be factored into the price of your brisket. The cost of harvesting the grains and the corn with uh, combines, well, that's going to go up, so it's going to be passed on to you. And that's going to make the corn feed for the cows more expensive, which is going to make the cost of the cows go up even further. All of your costs are going to go up based on Joe Biden's budget. He's funding it on unicorn farts. He may be able to smell it, but it's not real. And it's going to get real to you when your costs go up. It's going to get real to you when he claims he's going to make all this money off of the rich and the smart accountants out there are going to find ways around it. There's always a loophole that accountants can find to get the wealthy out of paying taxes. The tax code has created an entire class of accountants designed to find the loopholes around paying this money. They may offshore the money so they don't account for it. They may divest. It may cause a stock market crash. They may move their money into other things that aren't counted. 
real property, for example. They may just go out and buy up a bunch of land and the federal government can't tax their land. This is a little bit wild that this is where the Democrats, but this is where the Democrats always head. They always say this and it doesn't actually happen. What's amazing to me though is that Joe Biden wants to keep spending more money. Look, I agree with him. We need to increase our defense spending. We actually do. Given what's going on in China, we need to increase our defense spending. But he wants to expand free community college. He wants to expand free child care. He wants to expand free childhood early education. He wants to expand the $35 cap on insulin. He doesn't want to cut a single government program. You can raise all the taxes in the world and get 100% of the income, and you're still not going to make a dent in the national debt. And at some point, we have to come to terms with the national debt. And the most important takeaway here is that as interest rates go up, the debt service payments increase. This isn't a realistic budget. This is designed to signal to progressives, I'm still with you, even though my public policies don't look like it. But he knows there's no chance in hell this is going to get through a Republican Congress, and he can set them up for the bad guys. Oh, they don't want to tax the rich. When the recession comes, it's not going to matter. Joe Biden is proposing a plan that if the Republicans gave him everything he wanted would exacerbate the recession. It almost makes me think maybe Republicans should go along with it and break the economy with him. They can blame him because all they did was give him what he wanted and the economy breaks and Republicans take back everything in two years. And then they can pass racial, uh, they can pass the reconciliation, not racial reconciliation. That's not going to happen. The Democrats will scream racism when they take back control. They can pass a reconciliation budget and cut everything again. Biden's plan would wreck the economy. It's irresponsible. It's premised on a unicorn fart that he may be able to smell, but he can't deliver on. And the rest of us, we're going to smell it, but we won't be able to do anything about it. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. So I got a random story of my life here for you. If you're a regular listener, if you're Charlie, you know, I grew up in Dubai. <laughs> There's a, I, 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 I forgot one time that he already knew when I started a conversation. So I grew up in Dubai. He's like, I know that blankety blank. Um, but my oldest sister was a huge fan of, at the time, the WWF. Now it's the WWE. And so she and my dad, it was the thing they did. They loved watching wrestling together. And she found out that the WWF wrestlers were in Dubai. And we went to the hotel we suspected they were staying at. Sure enough, they were there. Uh, got to know them. And a number of them came to our house for dinner on a couple of nights. We were like the one American family who was paying attention to this stuff. We'd go to the to the wrestling matches. And it was uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka and Rowdy Roddy Piper and Playboy Buddy Rose and Tito Santana, Tony Gurria, and a few others. And uh, they would come to the house for dinner. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I've never really been into wrestling. I had friends who were and, and had a friend who was just totally convinced it was real, convinced it was real, not staged. Um, it was kind of funny seeing these guys beat each other up as the good guys, and the bad guys. And they were all at dinner with us at our house, uh, hanging out together. Just delightful people, genuinely delightful people. Um well, the WWE now is in talks with state gambling regulators to legalize betting on their matches. Now, let me read you the headline, actually, as it appears in CNBC. 
WWE in talks with state gambling regulators to legalize betting on scripted match results. <laughs> They're working with Ernest and Young to secure match results so they won't leak to the public. Uh, the, the creative executives don't plan to inform wrestlers who will win until hours before match. <laughs> Honestly, I think if you're dumb enough to think it's real, you should just let people bet on it. And if they lose, they lose. Darwin will sort it out. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Um, God bless the WWE. Vince McMahon is going to be a trillionaire before this is over. Hi there. Yes, you can be a part of the program. 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? Now, where was I? Oh, this is an interesting story. Um, more and more Americans are skipping college. You probably know more and more people who are doing this. Look, I, let me just pause, reset, personalize, humanize. I got a 17-year-old daughter. I love her. Um, although yesterday she was convinced she had this lump in her wrist and it was either a cyst or a wrist cancer. It was just her artery. <laughs> Don't say I said that. Uh, just just sharing with my friends on radio. <laughs> but she is, she's way more type A than me. She is her mother's child when it comes to this stuff. She is, She has her entire career lined up. Uh, she is going to be a rocket engineer to build the bombs we bomb China with. She's going to go to Georgia Tech. She's going to be a rocket engineer there, aerospace. Um, she's she's got to get her SAT score up. She's been on, you know, on and on. I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, she's now about to take the ACT. She's got the SAT. Now suddenly she's looking at my alma mater, Mercer University, because uh, their engineering program has tie-ins to the Air Force and uh, much more practical and, but this is what she's going to want to do. And, and I just keep saying, keep your options open. Keep your options open. She's actually a really, really good artist. Um, she's so good. In fact, when she was in ninth grade, they moved her into 12th grade art. She won an award for a drawing she did on her iPad, like hand drew this, this drawing on her iPad. I, I got to admit, I thought she must have cheated because it was just too good for a ninth grader to be able to do. And yet she did it. I'm like, did you take clip art pieces? What did you? And drew this sucker. I mean, she was able, I mean, even the judges were a little bit skeptical. She had to like do the undo button and back out, 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 just to be able to show how good. I mean, she's brilliant artist and I'm a proud dad. And when people say that, they're like, yeah, everybody says, and then I show them the picture. They're like, holy blankety blank. That really is good. But she's like, I can't be an artist. I can't go to art school. She wanted to go to SCADS, the, the Savannah College of Art and Design, which is a for-profit institution, which I did not know until recently. And and for years, she said she's going to go to SCAD. When she was four years old, she started a piggy bank and she would add all of her money. And that was going to be her SCAD fund. And then she's like, eh. Given what you do for a living, given, given what I do, she takes her faith seriously. She's like, I don't think I would fit in there. So now she wants to blow up China, which I'm fine with. And we're going through this with her. And then my 14-year-old wants to be an architect. And it, maybe he will change. 
But so he's been playing Minecraft for years, and I really think he could be a coal miner in West Virginia the way he digs these mines out in, in Minecraft. But instead, he, he, he takes all the stuff he digs. Up. If you're not familiar with Minecraft, if you got kids, you probably are. It's this digging game that's now owned by Microsoft where you, 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 mine, you dig these shafts and you go down and you get lots of dirt and sand and then you get diamonds and, and then you fight this nether dragon with this nether portal that you can build by concocting all this stuff. I, I, my kid builds everything and then I just play with him. I just like to go in the mine and find the diamonds and not fall in the lava. He's like building these elaborate things, these elaborate houses. And he's like, I'm going to be an architect when I when I grow up. I, I want to go to Georgia Tech and be an architect. Well, I, we'll see. They want to go to Georgia Tech as an aside because my father-in-law went to Georgia Tech. Been pushing them towards like, I don't know, LSU. I mean, go, go have fun in Baton Rouge. Um, but now she wants to go to Mercer, maybe, possibly. I digress. The pressure on kids, a lot of kids, to have this life plan and go to school is kind of kind of insane. And my kid has done it to herself. Let me let me tell you my philosophy. And I know we've got a lot of new listeners right now who haven't heard of this. So just just bear with me here. Those of you who know this new, I have fallen into every job I have ever had, totally providentially by accident. However you want to want to figure it out. I went to law school because I was working for a member of Congress on his campaign. And he told me I wanted to go into politics. And he said, go to law school. Law school is the MBA equivalent for politics. You get an MBA, you can walk into any business and you can get a job. You get a law degree, you can walk into any political office and get a job. Uh, Everybody in politics needs a good lawyer. I can see why. While I was in law school, uh, I was in my third year in law school, my wife and I had started dating. She really did not want to move to Washington, D.C., which is all I ever wanted to do is move to Washington. And so we wound up staying in middle Georgia. She really didn't want to move. And for a while, I commuted back and forth, had a job up there. But I was really good, still am, at fixing computers and doing basic computer programming and putting pieces together to make computers work and stuff like that. I always I developed that that hobby when I was a kid. And the congressman that I was working for, that's really how I started working for him, was fixing his computers. Well, he had a friend who had a friend who was the hiring partner at a law firm. And when I decided not to go to Washington, I needed a job, and they hired me to fix their computers at the law firm and then hired me as a law clerk, and then I got a job there. And I, I got all the way to the, the – the year to be offered partnership, I really didn't want it. I didn't realize at the time that, well, a, a partnership becomes where suddenly instead of the law firm paying for my secretary, I am. Instead of the law firm paying my benefits, I am. All that costs go up. I was not making a ton of money at this law firm. And I got a job in Washington, commuted back and forth, totally fell into my lap. Had a lawyer in the law firm come in one day, close the door and say, you know what the definition of a dumb, well, I'll say but for radio, you, you, you get my my thing, a, a dumb A-double-S. Uh, and I said, no. He said, you, go do politics. You don't like practicing law. So I did. Uh, then redstate.com started. We started making a lot of money. Then CNN called. Uh, went to work for CNN. Uh, then uh, WSB Radio called. Went to work for WSB Radio. Then Fox News called. Left CNN for Fox. Now, suddenly, as of last week, in national syndication. All of it, none of it by design. I worked with lawyers who believed you had to have a a year-long plan, a five-year plan, and a 10-year plan. 
and that you should have an overarching strategy to get to your end uh, end of your law career and have a lot of money and do all this stuff. And I was like, I, I this is not the way I operate. And literally to this day, everything has kind of fallen into my lap uh, providentially. It, it's like God's got me on this course. I have no idea where it's going to wind up. But right now I'm having a f- ton of fun doing talk radio and I hope to never leave. I just hope to grow in talk radio. Part of that problem on, as an aside is just the, the, the revenue and the money and, and like everything's kind of happened serendipitously and, and learning the Dave Ramsey program is something I got to get with um, as, as more money comes in. But, so I look at my kid who's like, I'm going to go to Georgia Tech and I'm going to be a aerospace engineer and I'm going to go work for the federal government through Boeing or, or Lockheed. I'm going to build the bombs that we drop on China and I'm going to be a project manager by the time I'm 30 and by 45, I'm going to be the head of this, this program. And then who knows, maybe by 50, I'll be the CEO. I'm like, where does this come from? Like I have never been that person and my kid is, and she's very driven to do this. And I keep trying to tell her, you know what? God's got a plan for you. You, this may not work out. Don't have your heart so set on this that you miss other opportunities to do something you might decide you love more. And thankfully, she met with a guidance counselor uh, yesterday, and the guidance counselor kind of told her the same thing. Don't be so focused on doing uh, this path that it precludes you from these other paths, and you decide you're not going to go on these other paths, when these other paths may just swerve into your way, and you decide I'm not going to take it when really you would be better off doing that. That's a long way of getting to this, uh, the Associated Press, that uh, when he looked to his future, Grace and Hart always saw a college degree. He was a good student at a good high school. He wanted to be an actor or maybe a teacher. Growing up, he believed college was the only route for a good job, stability, and a happy life. The pandemic changed his mind. A year after high school, Hart is directing a youth theater program in Jackson, Tennessee. He got into every college he applied to, but turned them all down. Cost was a big factor. But a year of remote learning also gave him the time and confidence to forge his own path. There were a lot of us with the pandemic. We kind of had a do-it-yourself kind of attitude of like, oh, I can figure this out, he said. Why do I want to put all the money to get a piece of paper that really isn't going to help with what I'm doing right now? Hearts among hundreds of thousands of young people who came of age during the pandemic but didn't go to college. Many have turned to hourly jobs or careers that don't require a degree, while others have been deterred by high tuition and the prospect of student debt. When first looked like what first looked like a pandemic blip has turned into a crisis. Nationwide undergraduate college enrollment dipped 8% from 2019 to 2022 with declines even after returning to in-person classes, according to data from the National Student Clearinghouse. The slide in the college-going rate since 2018 is the steepest on record. Economists say the impact is dire. At worst, it could signal a new generation with little faith in the value of a college degree. At minimum, it appears those who passed on college during the pandemic are opting out for good. Fewer college graduates could worsen labor shortages in fields like healthcare and information technology. For those who forego college, it usually means lower lifetime earnings. And when the economy sours, those without degrees are likely to lose their jobs. But is that true now? I guess this this is my overarching question. Is the data still true? I know several people who are plumbers who genuinely 
make incredible livings. They have a skill set I do. I am not a handy person. At least I own a hammer, Philip. I am not a handy person. I can do basic things. I built my kid's birdhouse for his school project. By the way, that bird project, my kid drew out what he wanted, and it was like a looked like a Burger King, uh, but it was called Bird King. And I did not realize the homework assignment was you have to draw out what you want and then you have to build it. And seriously, the kid has like, it looks like a Burger King with like neon lights on top. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Seriously, you even had bar stools for the birds. I had to call the teachers like, can I build something and then have my kid draw what I built him, which is like this square little thing with letters on top of it. She's like, yes, I didn't realize you didn't know. I'm not a handy person, but I got friends who are, and they make incredible livings with Without ever going to college. And then I've got my, my, my buddy Vince, who I talk about sometimes, who one day he will build my house. He is this incredible home builder. Now, he went to college. But during the economic downturn, 2008, 2009, I mean, he builds like, like showpiece mansions, gorgeous homes. And he taught himself how to do iron work to differentiate himself, to try to get some business. And so his houses have this signature feature now with these these, um, wrought iron windows and stuff. They're gorgeous. And he taught himself how to do that, to to, to segment himself out. And he taught himself a trade skill that now helps him. And it's not necessarily what he went to college for, but the college skills give him the business management and stuff. But there are so many diverse ways for people to make a living. I'm not so sure the economists are right now when they say, well, our whole economy is going to suffer if people don't go to college. No, no, no. It's because we've had a system in place that valued college degrees for things. And I think after the pandemic, we're starting to value real skills because I got to tell you, if I've got to hire someone who didn't go to college but has amazing skills, they've, they're self-taught or they've apprenticed, they know how to handle money, they know how to invest, they, they, they know how to do some useful job skill versus a kid who got a women and gender studies degree, I'm going to hire the non-college educated smart kid than the kid who went to college and the best they could do was a grievance degree. And I think more and more of the world is headed this way. And also... One last point on this. We have a lot of colleges in this country, a massive pool of colleges, many of them small. I suspect what's actually going to happen is we're going to see some consolidation. We're going to see some colleges go out of business. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. Colleges and universities, because of the easy access to student loans and this idea that you go to college to get ahead, you've got to go to college to get ahead, has created an artificial demand. And as that demand begins to collapse, I think a lot of colleges and universities are going to collapse. Some of them are going to be on hard times. Others are going to have to start actually using their billion-dollar endowments. And I actually think that's a good thing. I think by more and more kids opting out of college, we're forcing a necessary reset in higher education that would not otherwise come, and the balance will correct itself. I don't think there's a need like some of these economists are as a great freakout. There will always be kids like mine who want to go to college, who need to go to college to get the specialized training. But a massive array of kids are learning that I don't have to go to college to be my own boss and be useful and good at, at, at a job skill. And I think that's a lesson all of us need to learn and our kids need to take to heart. 
that depending on what you want to do and where you want to go, there are vocational skills you can learn that will set you miles ahead of everyone else. And frankly, if the world comes to an end and we go to war with China, well, your job skills are going to be vastly more valued than my political science degree. While you're doing this, you got to worry about all your retirement and how you're going to get ahead and your, your plans in life. Can I recommend to you Advantage Gold if you're interested in using precious metals as part of your uh, investment strategies or planning? 800-450-2566. They are TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company six years in a row, seven years in a row, seven years in a row. They've got the best prices. They've got a highly knowledgeable staff. This is why I, I feel very comfortable recommending Advantage Gold to you. I reached out to them just to kind of vet them because I know how some of these companies can be. And I didn't want to recommend you use one. Some of you are very interested in using precious metals for your investment strategies. They're not gimmicky, and that's what I like about them. They're highly educational. They teach you. They want you to use them, of course, but they don't put a hard sales pitch on you, and they, they don't offer dumb gimmicks. They just want to give you the most useful, practical information they can give you to make you smarter so that you're comfortable using precious metals if you want to. Some people aren't. Some people are. It, it, it's for you. Whether you, it's 401K, your IRA, your general investment strategies, talk to them, 800-450-2566. Let them answer your questions, and you can see how they, they do not lack, they do not have gimmicks. They don't twist your arm. They're not a hard sell. Just they think if they give you reliable information, useful information, you'll stick with them, and I would agree. 800-450-2566 is Advantage Gold's number. They will give you a free gold IRA investment kit if you want some more information, 800-450-2566. I just really like that they want to answer your questions without the gimmicks. They want to give you the information that's useful, and uh, they're straight shooters, 800-450-2566. This other program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Lowell. Now, for, for those of you uh, listening on WICC up in Connecticut, uh, you're new to this. Let me let me explain this to you. First Liberty Building and Lowell, they're in Noonan, Georgia, but they can help you too. If you've got a business and your business is growing and banks are giving you the runaround, since the early 90s, the Frost family through First Liberty has been helping businesses grow. Uh, if you are buying a building, if you're building a building, if you're buying a franchise, if you're expanding a franchise, if you're buying out your business competitors or even your business partner, that's the sort of stuff First Liberty handles. Uh, reach out to them. They only do deals that are $750,000 or more. So if you got a big deal because you want to be a big deal, reach out to the Frost family. Tell them I sent you. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Uh, they can help any business anywhere in the continental United States or Alaska and Hawaii. Um, reach out to them. Now, I, I, I can't play you the audio because the substance of it, it's, it's over five minutes of commentary. But let me just tell you what's happening right now in Congress. Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews is testifying. And I want to read you the tweet from one of the reporters covering him. Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews is a U.S. Marine Corps sniper. He is testifying today before Congress. He was denied permission to shoot the suicide bomber in Afghanistan that killed 13 service members and over 170 civilians. His quote, plain and simple, we were ignored, 
Our expertise was disregarded. No one was held accountable for our safety. The withdrawal was catastrophe. This was an inexcusable lack of accountability. This guy saw the suicide bomber, and the commanding officers wouldn't let him kill him, and 13 service members were killed as a result. Unbelievable.